Hey, if you're loving Creative Mind, check out some of our past episodes where we dive deep into topics like children's book illustration, video game design, filmmaking, and of course, the most important topic of all, how do you make a living as an artist? So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. And check out the show notes for links to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube page for even more great content. Being an artist is, I couldn't be anything else. I absolutely love it. Nothing's the same. Every day's going to be different. I mean, there's nothing like creating something and having your collector that buys it tell you the story of what they love about it. That is fine artist Judy Click. And this is a great episode from our quick trip to Nashville where we interviewed a couple of alumni on the road. And Judy is a great example of a successful online student because she started her career more than 10 years ago working in interior design. Decided, you know what? I wanna move back into the world of fine art. Did her degree completely online and has found great success as a fine artist. So here, let's take a listen to our conversation with Judy Click. Judy, you graduated from the Academy of Art University with your master's degree in what? Explain to me what brought you to the Academy. Um, I was looking for an online program and wanted an MFA as opposed to just a master's degree and uh, MFA in painting and it ended up being an abstract painting. That's kind of the, the hard part for a lot of people to really understand. That's why I, I really wanted to talk to you because painters get this weird vibe where no one really knows how that life of a painter works other than what we see on movies where you're just smoking cigarettes and drinking wine out of paper cups and throwing your soul up on the wall. How true is that? How true is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> not at all. Being a painter is very hard work. And what brought you to abstract painting though? Why not figurative or landscape? What was the goal for abstract? It's funny that some of the beginning classes that I took were a mix of both, and you don't declare whether you do it figurative or non-figurative, as the college called it at the time. Drawing figures and doing portraiture was absolutely the last thing on earth I wanted to do. So I chose the other one. <laughs> why, why not figurative? I know figurative is, you know, that's people looking like people. What did not attract you to figurative work? To me, it was incredibly hard, mm -hmm. and being a portrait artist is, you know, just some majorly sheer raw talent that didn't feel like I had and it didn't it just wasn't my inspiration at the time and so you switched did you make a, a strong switch to abstract or was that kind of developing in your artistic ideas I came in actually and got into the program with my watercolors that I was doing and had been painting watercolors for probably 20 years at the time. And most of those were uh, from my own photography, mostly landscapes, flowers, you know, anything nature-based. And so that's how I got into the program, but quickly learned that watercolor was not really the medium that they pushed me towards. And so then I started searching out different mediums and ended up with encaustic. Okay. Explain that because encaustic is a very unique it has an arts and crafts vibe to it, but in the fine art world, it's a very, very hardcore, difficult medium to work with. So explain the encaustic world. Encaustic is made with beeswax, and it dates back to the Egyptian times when they used beeswax to paint and seal boats. And then the Egyptians used encaustic 
and beeswax to paint portraits on mummies' sarcophagus, mostly for people who were very important, very well known at the time. So it's funny, I get asked, you know, a lot at shows, did you create this medium? It's like, well, no, I didn't. (laughs) So I came upon Encaustic when I took a mixed media class, and I had heard about it, was really interested in what it was. I love the fact that it is a natural material. You paint it on hot, so it's melted or molten wax. You paint it on a flat surface, a board, not a canvas, and it cools immediately but then you can manipulate it with heat you can carve into it so it's got all these kind of mixed media ways about it that i just love the endless possibilities of the mediums what drew me to it yeah and and caustic is it's a very fun tactile way of painting it's very tactile yes not a lot of brushwork all the time it's a lot of happy accidents a lot of fire exactly flames and it's a very hardcore medium when you everybody i meet who doesn't caustic is like oh what a nice person then you see Uh them do their work and it's like (laughs) ouch yeah. This looks like, this This is painful. This is I like know. almost welding. My favorite tool is my um, torch. So a torch and a heat gun and a hot iron. Yep, yep. Now you said that you were doing this for 20 years before. Where did your art career begin long before you came for your master's degree? I, as a child, was always creating just anything I could make, get my hands on. I was always creative. And as I got into, I'd say probably middle school, started really loving art class and you know took an art class every chance I got won an award in middle school which I think spurred me on the prize was to go to an art school in town where professional artists could teach and take classes and took a jewelry making class got into photography so I was doing it all and but I ended up going to college for my bachelor's degree for interior design because okay. my parents did not want me to go to art school <laughs> and become an artist because they figured I might be a starving artist. Well, that's, that's the cigarettes <laughs> and the wine and, and the paper cups. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so, yeah. yes. So I did interior design. And my last year, unfortunately, I couldn't take art and interior design at the same time. All the classes overlapped. Okay. And interior design was very rigorous. It was a five-year program. And there was no way to take art classes along with it unless I wanted to be there a lot longer. So, but I did, my last year, I took watercolor. So from that point forward, I took night classes. So the entire time I worked as an interior designer, I took night classes and drove to different watercolor artists who were teaching at the time. So just continued to keep painting. I always thought I wanted to be a teacher. And so I initially started to look into getting a master's so I could go teach. And I thought it'd be interior design, but knew that my real desire in my heart was really into painting and creating and drawing and all that. We had talked before about this before we sat down for this interview. And, you know, what happens a lot with working artists is you start out one way. And five years later, technology changes, or you don't like what you're working on, or you get burned out, or it's just an exploration. There's, you know, all of those happen to all of us all the time. And you found this great niche, kind of the golden, the holy grail of niches of corporate fine art. And corporate fine art is this mystery of like, you know, we wonder like, where does a painter sell their painting? You know, what you, you can't stand on a corner with your painting, go buy my painting, give me thousands of dollars for it. Somebody actually has to buy it. So there's the gallery route, which is a whole different world. I and, did that. And, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> so explain how you went from the gallery then to this world of, of corporate art. I'm actually still in galleries. I'm still represented by galleries. I 
through the professional uh, practice classes that I took at the university, I learned, you know, really my degree was in how to become a professional artist. Mm-hmm. And I had every desire and energy to, to get out and I was going to make it big and I was going to support myself as an artist and realized that to me, I didn't want to focus on the selling side. So I started, I got my first gallery actually before I graduated. I had a, a gallery show and had my first solo show within the year after graduating. So I, you know, I was making it. I was moving up the ladder, I guess. You know, once you get one gallery representation, it's a little easier to get the next one and the next one. My work, you know, has kind of a a broad appeal, and it it actually is probably more of a residential appeal to it. Explain that, because that's the key I want you to really talk about, because your experience as an interior designer and then a fine artist, which is what you are, they go hand in hand, which so many artists forget that, you do need somebody to buy your art, and it's not always a gallery. It's going to be an interior designer, which seems icky to some photographers. Yeah, to, interior to designers artists. might guide the process. Okay. I was actually um, a healthcare and corporate designer. Okay. So I ended up specializing in healthcare, and really, I did love that field. Anyway, so healthcare was really where I was at, and so re- completely not residential at all. Okay. And when I started doing art and getting in galleries, those galleries tend to sell more to residential, but I knew that my art really would fit the healthcare market. And so I started reaching out to art consultants. In what way? Because I cut you off, but what's the residential market? Explain that briefly. Just going into homes. So you know, pe- people personally buying art just for their home. Okay. Yeah. You know, oftentimes they're second home sometimes or their beach house. Are they buying one or two or what attracts them to the art? Some interior designers, but a lot of galleries do do that for you. So you don't necessarily have that connection to okay. the, the buyer if you're selling through a gallery. So I did. I have worked with some interior designers where they are, they've designed the whole house and they're helping that buyer make a pur- purchases for every single room. And so I've, uh, you know, I had here in Nashville, I went in with a interior designer and she asked me to come to help have art for the bedroom, the master bedroom. But I brought a carload and brought it all out. So I got pieces picked for other areas of the house too. So you're bringing your art into the house going, this will fit in your bedroom. Yes. And this will go in your bathroom. Yeah. This will go in your living room. And, and I think, you know, the homeowner had already, they had already kind of pre- chosen my work because she liked my work liked my style and then it was like what size and you know color and what what fits the theme of each room was how my art would you know was chosen for residential okay and then you said your work you felt better would work in the healthcare industry what do you mean by that well on go back to I did, did want to say that I did do several commissions through the galleries one gallery in particular in Nashville and those commissions would lead me to go into the owner's home and working with them on pieces for their home and I found I really liked doing commissions so because commissions are you've already got the job you're already been you're gonna be paid has been signed yes you're gonna be paid when it's done so but knowing from having doing healthcare design I knew that my art was appropriate for healthcare one because nature is you know a very calming soothing thing to look at and you know that tends to be any art that you're gonna put in um, an environment like a healthcare environment generally it's gonna be you know nature's the most common not the only but the most common subject matter to put in there. So I knew that my art was appropriate for that. And I also really love painting very large. And so you're not going to find 
a lot of artists across the board. Not everybody paints large. And how, how large is large? Do you give us an idea? Um, the largest piece to date that I've done was 40 by 60, but two of them together. Oh, wow. So a, a die picked it's 10, was that 12 by 5, well, 12 by 8? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. math. I don't know. I went to art school too. I can't Yeah, something like that. <laughs> really, really big. A giant Really big, yes. Okay. okay. And I've gone bigger with multiple pieces. I've, I've done a, a grouping of eight pieces. I did another grouping that was 12 pieces, six, uh, six across, and it wrapped around a curved wall in a hospital lobby. Oh, wow. So. That brings up that question, though. It sounds kind of insulting, but you've heard it as a painter. We hear it all the time as artists. Why can't the hospital just put a poster up and just call it a day? They do put posters up, a lot of them, yeah. because of budgeting, yeah. And when I worked as an art consultant, I thought going in, oh, great, get to really push getting you know original work in a hospital. Unfortunately, budgets are usually the problem. Now, the reason that they luckily will commission original artwork is because, you know, A, they have the budget for it. A lot of times there's donors that want to pay for that. They want to bring in and, and connect to the community. So a lot of projects like that, all the artists will be local or at least from the general area. Mm -hmm. And so that creates kind of a community feel to it. Plus, a, there's nothing like original art Absolutely, yeah, compared that, to something that's been printed. Yeah, the, the, yeah. even if it's printed on canvas, it's like, eh, that's kind of I cheap. know. And my work, you know, encaustic is three-dimensional. It has texture to it. And also, I can, I've done large circles and things that, you know, just wouldn't be printable. Yeah, calming, soothing nature is, they've studied an, a, a lot of things about what's in a hospital that can help people feel um, less stress because being in that environment generally is not a positive thing and that having views of nature or art with nature in it lots of uh, natural light and and things outside the windows besides the parking lot go into any hospital that's newly built you're going to see a lot more nature right outside the windows and so bringing that in and putting that on the walls in the form of art is another is just a great way to create something that can be calming soothing uh, a distraction from what you're really there for since you're focusing a lot on that nature and natural forms who are some of your influences who are some of the people that you've looked at going, i really this 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 grabs me Georgia Keefe was my first favorite artist. Absolutely loved her work, but I think I loved because she just took the most smallest delicate flower and blew it up huge. And so you couldn't help but kind of get into the painting and taking, so I love to take little tiny flowers and, you know, something that's no bigger than a dime and, you know, make it three and four feet big. I love like the symmetry of succulents and nobody notices that until you see it really, really big. But for other artists, my during school, I studied the abstract expressionist movement with Hans Hoffmann and all of the modern art artists. So those really, their use of color and the color-filled painters were a lot of my influence too. Color's probably been at the very top of my need to create is there's just something there that pulls me in with color. So are you one of those artists that's walking around and sees a color and just the world stops? Yes. And you're photographing it from everywhere? Yes. <laughs> I mean, we we left here like two weeks ago after a show, and we're walking out in the parking lot, and it was the most beautiful sunset. And Mom, like, stop, everybody, look at the sunset. And my husband and daughter are like, Mom, 
you know, I'm also the kind that walks along the road, and if I've got my phone and there's something there, I have to stop and take a picture of it. Yep. Yeah, there, there's something about painters and colors and the obsession of creating that otherworldly thing that you're just like, how did this get made? Yes. How do I recreate that? Is there a color that really you really key on that you really dig? Probably a turquoise blue, kind of the color of water and sky. Yeah. The easy the, stuff. The really simple. Just, yeah. You know, sky and the water. ocean. Yeah. yeah. The, the beach. The beach. That, God, that, that's, <laughs> that's the hard stuff. That's the stuff we see that you really have to make special. When you know you mentioned color, is when you're working with the oil pastels and you're working with with the encaustics and, and different pigments, where are you starting with your color? You know, some people like to start on the darker end. Some people and go light. Some will light and go dark. You know, where does your mindset work and think when you're getting into this world of color? What are you trying to say with color? Well, I do g generally um, plan out the color in a sketchbook of the colors I'm going to use. And I am very much into color theory. And so if I choose, and I, turquoise is probably going to show up in every painting in some bit, but I do play off of color theory in that I'm always trying to create balance with the color, but also a little bit of, you know, keeping things kind of playing against each other as well, you know, with contrast or complementary colors. And so that's always in the back of my head that whole the whole thing of color theory and what makes the painting look the best and what's going to draw your eye to it when you're so, from, from that interior design background mm -hmm. and then yep the painting, and so it comes from interior design background <laughs> how, how does that work though you know you know, let, you know when we have the bad client the client goes that's great i want it green you're like but it's really gonna look better blue. yeah i want it green how do you deal with that you know, most of that is worked out ahead of time before I first start painting. I did have a project for an art consultant, and they said they wanted me to create a certain kind of color. You know, they didn't give me a lot of direction, but the first pass that I showed them, no, that's not right. We want it more green. And so I brought it back more green, wanted it a little different here. And so three or four, you know, iterations later, I finally solved what they wanted. You know, they're paying for it. It's They're going to own it. So I'm going to make sure that it's what they're, they're going to be happy with it. How much, how much selling do you have to do when you're in that process? Or is it, you know, this is my work. Is there a take it and leave it level? Or is it really getting into the selling part of it? You know, the sell, selling is actually, we are all trying to sell ourselves in no matter what I think profession we're in. There's a little bit of that. Selling art. Yeah, we really didn't talk about this, but selling art is really... It's about selling the story behind the art, why you created it, what your inspiration was, what drives you to be an artist. If um, When I do live shows, I love getting to meet people that are looking to buy art because once, if you can get them in and, and get to tell them your story and the story behind the, the creation of the piece they're looking at, usually can get it sold. So, <laughs> When those stories are there, how, how deep are you going? Is it is it selly selly or is it like, no, this is going to be, you're going to like this? Because your, your story is very unique. I mean, you're working with, you know, is it the, does the media take take precedent that how you're doing it or the actual story, the feeling and, and some of the stories behind it? I think it's really the, you know, what is it about the, the mood that's created with that piece or, you know, the location and a lot of that can come from the color, the subject matter, again, nature-based, you know, people are drawn into that to start with. But yeah, it is all, it is all just about what, what the inspiration was for that piece that, that draws me, you know, them in to buy it. Going in the future, is figurative going to come back at all? Or are we done? No, no, <laughs> no. What, what's, what, what don't you like about figurative? Why, what, 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 what do you got against people? 
You know, nature, you can, there's no right or wrong. There's no, nothing that's going to look wonky, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, drawing figures. I had to take, I did a figurative class in grad school and that was it. One and done, did not want to go back. I'm teaching a class now and at Vanderbilt and one of my students said, can we do a portrait as an example? And I was like, no, no, we can't. <laughs> the different class. Yeah, the closest I come is all I've on the side of sort of doing pet, pet and house portraits mm-hmm. just to make a little extra money. So love painting pets, not people. People, people are great, but man, they have opinions and they got to sit there and you know feed them and stuff yeah it's just not my thing and you know what there are people out there who they are obsessed with portraiture and people and that's them not me (laughs) right right and that's the idea that you know you know how do you then from the sales standpoint and that consulting standpoint how do you look at a budget that a hospital or uh, a large building, a corporate space has and go, how do you sell it without going, well, I can get the biggest piece in here and take the most money. How do you actually build that relationship of creating a space for yours and other artists? The work that I've done, I've gotten the relationship established with the consultant and one consultant that I've done quite a few projects for, I kind of have a per size price And so she'll contact me with, I've got this much money and I'm looking at this kind of size. They usually will kind of predetermine the size or give me the dimensions of the space and help me figure out what Mm -hmm. size would work. Right. There's always Um, that weird matrix that fine artists use of how big it is per square inch is Yes, exactly. Per square inch. Yeah. And I'm pretty hungry for the work. So if the budget's a little tighter, then as long as it's not too tight, I'll do the work. You know, I'll I'll work with them just because I want to get the work done. Can you tell us about your first big sale? The sale that you think went, okay, this is me now hanging my artwork in a corporate space. This is where I can now point people to and go, go there and you'll be wowed. Ooh, gosh, I've had enough that I can't really remember oh, what exactly what the big first one was. I know. I know there's just so many of them, you know. It's so funny because as an artist, you think, oh man, when I sell that first piece, say it's a thousand dollars and I sell one piece of art for a thousand dollars. Wow, have I have arrived? I'm done. It's over. That is just like the biggest thing. Well, you got to sell a lot of thousand dollar pieces of art to make a living yeah. in one year, and so it's like each time it was a, a nice step. But I did sell one um, grouping that was seven thousand okay. dollars, and so then you're like, okay, now I really arrived, <laughs> but it's still got to do quite a few of those to pay I the bills. Another zero on yeah, top of it. Yeah, so. Still working towards it, you know. Yeah. It's just, I thought the first solo show, you know, it was pretty amazing. It felt really great, especially all the people that came to see the show, to know they were there just for my work. Mm. It was pretty awesome. I've had quite a few solo shows since then. So you're that rare working artist. Yes, yes. When you get a commission or, or either a private commission through, say, a residential or through a corporate entity, how does that work? T- tell me about that conversation. What comes first? Is it the idea? Is it as simple as I need 10 by 10 blue go? Or is there more of a conversation? Any art consultant or designer that's going to, you know, look at you for a commission, they're generally going to, you know, have vetted me enough and mostly by finding me on the internet if they don't know me already, finding me through my website. Um, already determined because, you know, the work on my website is a good representation of everything I do. 
the ones I love are when they find a piece of my website, really love this piece. Is it available? No, it's sold. So, you know, what do you need? And usually I, then I'm like, I can do it any size. I can change it up, you know, whatever you need. And that's kind of where we go from there. I'll then take whatever they're needing and I create a scaled drawing. Mm-hmm. And luckily for encaustic, if I use oil pastels and colored pencils, it all looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I can make a pretty close rendering to what the final outcome will be. Oh, so you can um, get a, a small thumbnail, so to speak, for a larger piece pretty, pretty yes, easily. Yes, okay. yeah. I mean, there's been times um, where they've kind of just given me a real general idea of what they're looking for, and then I have to create different, you know, different designs for them to choose from. And how does that work when somebody comes and says, well, I want eight? The first thought is, okay, eight, this is going to be amazing. And then you got to make eight. Eight individual, yet themed, yet different, yet awesome paintings. How, what's your mindset going into that when somebody's brought you a large eight or more pieces? Oh, easy. Really? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't bother that. I love it. No. I just did a grouping of six recently and just got a real general idea of, and it was more abstract landscape look, and literally laid them all out on the table. I mean, I kind of did all the design work ahead of time mm-hmm. with getting approval because I, I don't ever want to paint a commission without having done at least the thumbnail mm-hmm. design. So once all that work's done, that actually is the harder part. Once that done, that's done, then I just go to paint and, you know, add the sparkle and add what they need to, to make them look good. Walk us through that, that hard part then when somebody comes to you with an idea. You know, think of what that recent commission where, you know, what was the idea the client had? Was it very detailed or was it kind of generic? So that was a, um, an art consultant and it was for a client's home and she wanted pieces that, of course, had to go with the rest of other pieces they have. She's an art collector, has original art throughout her house. So she sent me photos of what pieces would be close by. So I had a general idea of color, nothing too, you know, crazy. Had already decided they love my nature work that I do. And really just gave me a couple ideas. And I just sit down and brainstorm, work in my sketchbook. Uh, a lot of my work is, you know, I pull from the photographs I've taken. I have 10,000 photos <laughs> on my iPhone alone. So I will come through to get ideas, you know, and just start sketching them out and just go from there. It's a process. Yeah. Sometimes I think about it for a week or two and all in my head before I ever start painting. And is there so. a particular theme within nature that you really like to key on or is it kind of going with the flow and feeling out different clients and seeing what you can try? Everything nature-based. I'm really drawn to skies and clouds, color. I love when God paints the sky, you know, sunrises, sunsets. Those are probably one of some of my favorite things. But lately I've been really drawn to water lilies and water in general. Yeah, I love water. So the beach, you know, the ocean, the lakes, creeks, you name it. (laughs) But you're doing abstract. And abstract, that's a a very tough road to get right. That's a style that can be uh, through some paints on the canvas. Well, it's it's very much nature-based abstract. Everything I do is going to look like nature. It's got a nature appeal to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, because abstract is not necessarily just I threw a circle on the wall and called it a day. It's a very complicated I know. I've evolved in school. When I graduated with my whole portfolio, it was much more abstract than it is now. I've actually evolved back to a little more realistic look you know you're going to know it's a flower you're going to know it's a creek or river Mm. 
but there's still definitely some abstraction to it. Yeah, and then that encaustic process does put that unreal, otherworldly, abstract layer on top of it as yes. well. Yes, painting with wax in and of itself is definitely loose and free and hard to be too tightly detailed. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about it. Uh, okay, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I look at people just like, I would just screw that up. I'd be burning myself and swearing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I burned myself a few times. <laughs> now that you're, you're, when you're getting these commissions and you've done it and your work's on the wall, when you get an artistic block, that creative block of like, I don't know, I can't make this creek look any more creaky. What do I do? How do you kind of work through that, the creative block or the iteration of the different ideas? What are you looking for? I tend to have two different kinds of blocks. Okay. Creatively, I'm almost never blocked. I have too many ideas, too many things I want to paint. I mean, I feel like I could just paint for the next hundred years of all the ideas I have in my head. My block comes from finding the time, carving out the time to actually sit down and create and procrastinate. Like there's this sort yeah. of like getting started. So I, that's probably my thing is just having I'm to busy get started. thinking about it today. Yes. Tomorrow I'll paint tomorrow. Unfortunately, tomorrow. I've always worked on deadlines, probably coming from being an interior designer. Mm -hmm. Everything was extremely deadline based. So I tend to have to set deadlines up for myself and then those force me to get there. And once I'm in the studio and painting, it's I'll go then, no yeah. problem. Yeah, there, so. I think a lot of artists do get that way. It's like, somebody please give me some rules. I don't want rules. Just remind me forcefully to get it done uh, today. And why we want to put, put deadlines on ourselves and you know, then you get all stressed out and <laughs> up all night. You know, that, I don't know why I didn't do that to myself, but that seems to be the way I work. You need, you need that, that creative angst, almost, that, yeah, that other emotion that's driving you. Going forward, though, you're teaching now, and how has that played into your artwork and what you're doing? How has that helped you, or has it helped you to become a better artist? Even before I graduated, I started having shows of my encaustic work, and I was approached to teach art. Hey, would you teach encaustic? And at that point, I'd actually adjunct taught interior design for years, off and on, here in town, even before I moved to Nashville. So in, even in the working environment, I was always a mentor. So I've always had that kind of natural talent to teach. And so when I started teaching art, I really knew I loved teaching. And as a teacher, I think it continues to push your creative juices and that kind of, it's always there. I'm always thinking and trying to come up with new ideas, new projects to teach. Also, teaching has improved me as an artist a lot. Really? Because I get in there and help. I've got a sketch alongside somebody, just teaching them to see and, you know, because teaching art isn't just teaching the technique of the particular medium. It's all about teaching the person that's learning to see, to see what it is they want to paint and draw, or how to develop that idea in your head and get it down on paper. So what advice then do you want to give students when they're thinking about, okay, I want to be an artist, and that's it. And they look at you, big eyes, like, I want to be an artist. And you're like, oh man, it's terrible. But let me tell you something that's good. What are the good things that you want students to start thinking about when they want to plan for a career in the arts? Being an artist is, I couldn't be anything else. I absolutely love it. Nothing's the same. Every day's going to be different. I mean, there's nothing like creating something and having your 
collector that buys it tell you the story of what they love about it. I was going to say the other block was there's times when I get to the point where I feel very frustrated at not having enough sales or, you know, however it is. And, and I think, oh, I'm just going to throw it all away and go on and do something <laughs> else, right? Then I'll, you know, something will happen. And, uh, you know, God has that way of getting in there and tapping you on the shoulder and reminding you while you're doing what you're doing. I definitely, I know I have some talent and I know it's there. So sometimes when I get that little tap, it's that story that makes me keep going. And I think that any artist, you're not creating in a vacuum. You're not creating, you know, you may, if you want to be a professional artist, that means you want to make a living at it. And, you know, you can continue to be an artist and do work for yourself. But if you want to make a living at it, that means you've got to you know, you got to sell it. you got to get out there and, and get that work visible and, and make it a viable product. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to somebody that wants to be an artist. There's a big hurdle between just being an artist and being a professional living artist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and making a living at it. Okay. Just to kind of wrap up here, what does it mean to be a creative to you? Living in breathing ideas and, you know, I mean, I wake up with ideas. I it's just always always there. Everything about the things I do is creative. I'm, I can't see myself doing anything else. I can't stop the ideas from flowing. And I'm always, like, even my hobbies, like, you think painting, it is a profession. It's not a hobby to me. It, it is a profession, so my hobbies are creative. You know, I make jewelry, I crochet, photography, you know. It's like I just can't not. If I don't get in the studio often enough, I can really feel like there's something inside of me not completely alive. How can we get in touch with you when we want to see more of your work and people possibly, you know, contact you for commissions? The best place is to go to my website, www.judyclickart.com. So there you have it. Some great advice and a great story. And I hope you took some notes because if you've ever dreamed about a career in art and design, More and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, and employers are on the hunt for the next generation of talented and, of course, skilled creative professionals. Here at Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco, and, of course, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request info about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, industrial design, illustration, and fine art, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creative mind. My name is Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.